You're listening to a podcast from Newstalk ZB. Follow this and our wide range of podcasts now on iHeartRadio. Newstalk ZB. Newstalk ZB. Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to the Bean for Friday. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Thursday, um, and we've got... Uh, more talk of capital gains tax again. I don't know why this has come up. Kerry Wooden will get to the bottom of that for us. Is Otago University going out of business? Um, not sure what's happened there. I, I blame those people who wanted to them not to renew their liquor license last week. I think that's the problem. Um, and uh, stolen cars used in ram raids are turning up for sale on Facebook. It's exciting, isn't it? Um, for any of that, uh, the cost of living. Oh, yeah, that's right. The whole inflation thing yesterday. And it'd be well worth finding out about your bylaws to prevent feeling henpecked by your complaining neighbours. The good people living in with the confines of Kawaro District Council are fully aware now of the costs imposed by their leading rooster or, or the mayor. In Kawaro, there's an annual fee of $25 to pay, along with other requirements that must be met. Kawaro District Council will need to inspect your chicken's hotel and exercise facility to ensure that some of the basics are met so that you'll have happy chooks willingly providing the key components of your poached eggs. Make sure you find out what your local council requires. It's very important. Some require you to have a land area greater than three metres square, a proper chook house that's waterproof for sleeping and laying, a chook run attached to the chook house, a secluded nesting area along with perches. The rules that always ruffle feathers if they're not met are the ones relating to proximity to boundaries and dwellings. Your little scrambled egg factories must be three metres from a neighbour's fence and ten metres from any occupied dwelling, yours or your neighbour's. Keeping chooks is no poultry matter, so if you're looking into the concept, make sure you know what your council requirements are, and then pop around to a neighbour who's already running a tight chicken ship and get their expert advice. Okay, okay, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what the hell did that have to do with the cost of living? Well, because they have chickens and eggs, so they don't have to buy chicken and eggs. All right, all right, it's a little bit tenuous. News Talk Z-Bean. Okay, how about this one then? Uh, if, uh, you can reduce your cost of living by buying cheap stuff from Kmart? I can't imagine what a 24-hour Kmart is like. I imagine it's like a 20-hour Kmart or whatever the other ones are, except the staff looks slightly more dishevelled. Mind you, Kmart, you know, you go there on a Saturday, flip. Someone's rummaged through the clothes, is just piles everywhere. Like it's not a highly curated experience, is it? It's a shambles. But people seem to like that shambolic aspect. Tell you what I don't like about Kmart, right? I think I can finally accept self-checkout. I don't like it. I think it's mean-spirited. But the weird thing about Kmart, right? The self-checkout's in the damn middle of the shop. I'd expect psychologically the self-checkout should be towards the door. First experience out at St Luke's, I thought, what's going on here? It was like Stonehenge with all the self-checkout kind of things in a circle in the middle. But yeah, not a fan of that.
Crazy. Then you've got to have a security guard to make sure people aren't stealing stuff. Put yourself check out at the door. It's, I, it's funny how people rail against the self-checkout. Um, and yet, and I th- admit it, I thought it was a bit weird when I first saw the round and round style self-checkout in the middle of the store that Kmart seemed to have adopted. But it seems to actually work. Like, you, you think, oh my God, look at that queue. It's, it's snaking back. Yeah, this is like Christmas time when it's really crazy busy. It's snaking back around the store. And then you get in it, and five minutes later, you're actually out of the shop. So, you know, don't diss it if it actually works. 90% of parenting is just thinking about when you can have a break. And when you do take a break, enjoy the Parenting Hangover podcast. They go together like a tutu and jandals. We've said from the get-go, we ain't parenting experts. No. But it's cool to hear, what is your neighbour doing? What do they say? A problem shared is a problem halved. Oh, that's good. Not that my children are problems, but I feel better talking about it. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. News Talk Z-Bean. Right. Um... So we, I don't know that we've really got hold of the cost of living thing there. Uh, um, what about house prices uh, and uh, real estate generally and uh, capital gains? Oh yes, capital gains, that's right, that's what we we're going to get into. Why are we getting into this? Commentators say they simply have to start pay, paying their way and the fairest way to do that is by introducing a capital gains tax. So it's a speculative piece. It's well written. It's well worth reading. Um, the commentators they use are knowledgeable. And I think they make a case for a capital gains tax fairly clearly. Jacinda Ardern, I, I always found that very odd that she backed away from something that she had held as a lifelong principle that there should be a capital gains tax. And then she gave it up very, very quickly and ruled it out as long as she was leader of the Labour Party. Now is an opportunity for Chris Hipkins as Prime Minister, for David Parker, the Revenue Minister who favours his CGT, to introduce one. Is it about fairness? I'd love to get your views. I mean, it is speculative, don't get me wrong. We don't know what the report is going to say, but there is absolutely no reason to think that Chris Hipkins would honour a promise made by somebody else entirely. It was purely personal for Jacinda Ardern to say, under her watch, there would be no capital gains tax. He can do what he likes. Should he introduce a CGT is it, as the commentators say, simply an issue of fairness? I, I see, I see. That's it, it's a report out. That's why, that's why we started talking about capital gains taxes. Uh, well, that certainly won't be coming in before the election. I mean, this is not the time for new taxes, is it? Although, you know, there's some pretty crazy stuff. I don't know, it's government, crazy guys and gals. News Talk Zepin. Uh Now... Down in Dunedin, or up in Dunedin, if you listen to the south of Dunedin, uh, it looks like Otago University is considering a lot of layoffs, and they've got a lot of uh, 
debt and they haven't got as many students as they need. What's happening? This can't be very good news for Dunedin, can it? I know it was sad, absolutely. Um, you know, naturally, everybody wants, you know, continuous growth to be going on the whole time, but sometimes little blips come along, and if this you, is quite a significant one. Would, would it be significant, the workforce, if they had a few hundred um, academic staff lost in town, would that be significant to your town? Um, well, you know, there's quite a few thousand people employed there, so, it's you know, as a percentage of the workforce, it's not so big. But, uh, you know, the town will certainly notice the loss, yes. Jules. But it just depends what happens, you know, whether people redeploy within the town, whether they find new jobs, whether they come out and start businesses, or whether they go elsewhere. Yeah. So uh, it remains to be seen. Dunedin's quite a vibrant city, and a lot of university staff have got, uh, well, obviously great qualifications and abilities. So uh, we may find that a whole lot of new businesses start in town as a result of this. Jules, the numbers don't quite make sense to me, right? So it's quite a large mm. enrolment role that that's, that that Otago University have has about twenty thousand students. So a drop of six hundred and seventy students does not seem significant enough to need to cut the budget by sixty million, does it? Well, uh, I'd have to agree with that. Is it the is, is it math students or economic students who haven't turned up? Is that what's causing the problem? They can't add up the numbers properly. News talk. Z-Bean. Um, we've got a number of uh, stolen cars used in ram raids appearing on Facebook. Speaking of numbers, it's weird, isn't it? Who's going to buy one of those? The reason why the, the Nana cars, the Emeos, um, the old Charades, Aqua, is that there's no anti-theft um, devices in the way of a plate. So when they want to get in there and uh, vice grip the ignition barrel off or Immobilizers, or well, not even a immobilizer, a key NFC. Mm. So they're just, I don't know why, like maybe the government can't just say you can't import them unless um, they have that simple device um, uh, and then you wouldn't have any cars getting stolen. Well, that would worry anyone with one of these vehicles um, because it seems, and in, in you're someone in the know because you, you you stole a few vehicles in your youth. Can I ask you why, what happened in your youth, Josh, that you decided to, to crack into cars? It was, it was different back then, um, but from now when I see younger ones doing it now for ram raiding and crime, all mm. it was for back in the days, um, this is in the late 90s, um, was just to get, go to parties. Um, and, yeah, so, yeah, we would pop the quarter window because it makes not much noise and yeah, I won't say exactly how but yeah it's mm. pretty easy Is this common knowledge Josh? I mean a lot of people say that this sort of stuff circulates on social media which I assume is true but it appears to be common knowledge how the easiest way and the easiest cars to break into um, and yeah. to be able to drive off Yeah if you're in that scene you know which cars are easy basically yeah cheap nano cars um, and, and, and it's, you remember about 2002 there was WRXs getting stolen like nothing Yep, I had to pay a premium on my Subaru Legacy at the time because apparently it was hot property. And also very expensive to run as well. Subaru's notorious and uneconomical. Uh, this is coming from the, uh, a Toyota slash Hyundai fan. Hey, um, yeah, the, the old, old anti-theft devices, it, it's terrible when it goes wrong against you yourself. Like, the buttons fell, the, the, the rubbery buttons came off my car key the other day. And so I could still unlock my car with the key, but it turned out that when I actually got in it and started it up, the alarm started going off. And I thought, am I going to have to drive all the way home with the alarm going off? And it eventually stopped going off. So that was good.
I think it was just saying, ha ha, you're stupid, your buttons have fallen off your key. I think that was the point of that alarm. I'm Gwen ZB. Uh, that has been News Talk ZB. Uh, I've got a day off on Monday. Everybody's got a day off on Tuesday. I'll see you back here on Wednesday. News Talk. News Talk. ZB. For more from Newstalk ZB, listen live, on air or online and keep our shows with you wherever you go with our podcasts on iHeartRadio. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.